Steve with Life Worth Living. I don't know about you, but it's really easy to get sick and tired of not seeing results whenever you put your effort into something. We want to see results at work, in our investments, in our relationships. You know, we're taught a lot of times not to expect immediate results. But you know what? When it comes to spiritual things, results can come almost immediately. So listen in to 13 better results you can start experiencing today. Today, we're going to make up for lost time, and we're going to get through Isaiah 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21. Can you imagine all in one Sunday at a world just like that? But it is going to be good. Uh, I encourage you to go back and read some of those chapters. Some of those chapters are pretty hard to read because they're they're uh, all about God's <laughs> God's judgment on the surrounding countries of Israel, and so it's it's kind of tough reading. But man, I got some good stuff out of it as I was reading it for myself, and I want to share that with you today. Referring this uh, referring to this as thirteen better results you can start experiencing in your life today. Thirteen. I hate. I hate it when people say, you know what, you can have good results in 10 years from now. Five, You can start experiencing good results in your life today if you will just listen to me. So I want to ask you to check your troubles at the door, if that's possible, and it is possible. I have troubles. Believe it or not, I have big troubles. And I've checked my troubles at the door this morning. All right? I left them out there. And you know what, today... I'm going to focus in on what God's word tells me, and I'm going to start living by his promises instead of by my circumstances. So listen closely. Um, 13 better results you can start experiencing today. Let me tell you this. At work, um, I, with God's help, we can't do anything on our own, but God gave me five things to evaluate people with, to evaluate myself with. Listen to this. Selflessness. If I'm working with somebody, I want to know if I can trust them. And I can only trust them if I think there's a certain amount of selflessness in them. Anybody that's selfish is not trustworthy. They're just not going to be trustworthy. So I look at them and I say, are they selfless? At least a little selfless, you know, so I can trust them. Secondly, do they have clarity? Or do they have, you know, if I talk to them, are their thoughts jumping around here and there and I can't follow their train of thought? That's a problem. I need clarity. And, and so when I'm, with, I'm working with people that I work with, my staff, I'm always giving them clarity, clarifying, re-clarifying, because if they have clarity, I know they're going to be going in the right direction. So that's number two. Number three is enthusiasm. And enthusiasm literally means God inside. Somebody that's enthusiastic, they have some, they have some hope inside. They have something, a goal, a purpose that they're going after. They're enthusiastic. And guess what? I don't have to call them and say, hey, are you coming to work today? No, they're there early because they're excited about what they're doing. They have enthusiasm. The third thing, the fourth thing is loyalty. Now, I tell you what, I've been burned many times by disloyal people. Have you ever been burned by a disloyal person? You can't, it, it just doesn't work. If there's no loyalty, there's no commitment, there's no faithfulness, you're not going to get anything done. All right? So I'm looking for, for commitment, for loyalty. The fifth thing that I'm looking for is someone who's focused on the results. They're focused on getting things done. Not done, getting them done, done. <laughs> Have you ever gotten something 95% done and then it's just hanging out there and hanging out there? You know what? Today is about results. Today is about you getting the results that you want in your life. 
and and moving forward and not being stuck all right well jesus is all about results in matthew thir- in matthew 3 verses 7 through 10 it says he saw many of the pharisees and this is this is actually talking about john the baptist he saw many of the pharisees and sadducees the religious people of the time the lawyers all right nothing against lawyers but back then the religious people and the lawyers were one and the same today that's totally different <laughs> no i'm just joking i got really good lawyer friends all right <clears throat> Good attorneys. He saw many of these Pharisees and Sadducees coming where he was baptized, and he said to them, you brood of vipers. Well, that's pretty insulting. I've never heard anybody call me a viper before, but I would think, yeah, that's pretty strong language, I guess. (laughs) That's strange. You brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Listen to this. Produce fruit. In other words, produce results in keeping with repentance. Have you been stuck in a rut for a long time? It's time for you to get out of your rut. It's time for you to start showing God results in your life, fruit in your life. He said, do not think by saying to yourselves, we, are Ab- we have Abraham as our father. Don't you think for a minute that coming to church is going to get you saved. Don't, don't think for a minute that calling yourself a Christian is going to get you saved. God's looking for results in your life. And I want to show you today how you can start getting some of those results. He said, I tell you, out of these stones, God can bring up children of Abraham. God can just snap his finger and create, you know, Christians. (laughs) He's not looking for people who just call themselves Christians. He's looking for people who have results and show themselves to be Christians. Well, some of us are already kind of shrinking down in our seats and saying, well, I'm not perfect, Steve. Well, guess what? I'm not perfect either. But you know what? God's working in my life, and God can work in your life as well and start getting you the results that you need to see. All right? Now, listen to this verse. In, in, in verse 10, the axe is already at the root of, of every tree, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire pretty strong language that I could decide, hey, you know what? I'm not going to read it this morning because I want to feel good church. (laughs) I want us all to go out of these doors feeling good about ourselves. Well, you know what? I do want us to feel good about ourselves because of what Jesus has done for us. But at the same time, God is pushing us higher. He's pushing us further. And we need to start going with God to the new places that he wants to push us to. Is everybody with me? Do you understand what I'm saying? It's time for God to see results in your life, in my life. It's time. All right? That's, uh, that's why in Jude 23, I, always rem- I will remind you, Jude 23 has one chapter. So when I say just one word, one, one number here, it's because there's only one chapter. And it's verse 23. Jude 23 says, save, save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear. Mixed with fear. You know what? There's two types of human beings. There's a human being that is under condemnation all the time. They're always beating themselves up. They don't feel good enough. They don't feel like they deserve anything from God. And you know what God gives those human beings? He gives them mercy. He gives them grace. He says, come on, I love you. You're going to make it. But then there's the other side, the other type of human being that's cocky, that's arrogant, that thinks they know it all, that thinks they can do it all on themselves. And God's saying, you need to fear me. You need to fear me. And inside of us is actually both of these types of people. And that's why the Bible says to others, 
to certain people at certain times, show them mercy mixed with fear, a good dosage of both things so that we can get to where we need to be. All right? Now, these, these Pharisees, these Sadducees, don't worry, we're about to get into these, uh, what is it, eight chapters, nine chapters that we're going to fly through here today. So we haven't even started. That's how fast we're going to fly through these things, all right? You, are you geared up and ready to go? All right, this is just the introduction here, but let's go back to the Pharisees and Sadducees, these religious people. What is religiosity? What is religiosity? I'll tell you, religiosity makes me nauseous. People that look at me and say, Steve, you must be a religious guy. And they've told me that before. I said, no, I'm not a religious. Please don't put me in that category. I'm not a hypocrite. I'm I'm not one of these people that's all concerned about the external and not concerned about the internal. Please don't call me a religious person. That's the last thing. And you know what I tell people that say that? I say, you know, God isn't religious. They look at you kind of weird because people outside the church tend to believe, you know, God and religion. They go hand in hand. Ugh, you know, gag me. I, I don't want, I don't want to be religious. All right? Religious is uncommitted, an uncommitted person who has religious charm. That's religiosity. They can, they can say all the right things. They can even do the right things when you're watching them. But at the end of the day, they're fakes. They're frauds. And I don't want to be that kind of person. And I certainly don't want you to be that kind of person. That's a very miserable lifestyle to be a Sunday type of person and then a different person during the week or the weekend. That's disgusting. I don't want that. I don't want religi- re- religiosity. It, it always strikes me when people, you know, they show up three or four times a year. They come in the door all psyched and stoked and pumped, you know, and spewing scriptures. And I'm like, where have you been? <laughs> God can't build his church on stones that are moving around all the time. He can't do it. He won't do it. He first has a foundation of Jesus, the unshakable cornerstone. And then he goes out and he finds people, maybe untalented people, maybe ugly people, maybe people who've suffered tragedy. He finds them, he he shakes them around, he says, are you going to stick with me or are you not going to stick with me? And he finds stones that the world has rejected because they're not talented, they're not beautiful, they're not rich. And he says, here, come here, I'm going to make you into something special an unshakable person. If you've been falling off the horse quite a bit lately, all you got to do is get back on it again. Get back into the saddle again. You're going to fall off again, I promise you. I fall off all the time. The man, the woman that makes it (laughs) to heaven is the one who's got on the horse for the millionth and one time. Millionth and one time. Don't get me wrong. There's a time when you have stability godly stability relational stability with jesus and you're not falling off so often but just get back up again don't give up you can do it you can do all things through christ who gives you strength and here's the last intro verse boy we're gonna have to fly through this stuff fast aren't we i mean i'm still still doing this john 15 verse 8 
This is Jesus. He says, it's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. It's to my Father's glory that you have results in your life. If you're addicted, you get unaddicted. If you have anger issues, you quit being angry and you start being patient. If, if you're you know, struggling with poverty, that God begins to supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. You get the results. If you've been sick for years, that God heals you. If you have a, a, a marriage that's not working, God heals your marriage. God can do anything he wants you to have and see results in your life tangible results it's to his glory that you have fruit why because it shows you to be a disciple of jesus christ i man we went to this really amazing concert last night um it was a the, the jesus movement the jesus movement is is celebrating at 70 years now and uh you know some people like the jesus movement others don't i tell you what as long as people are getting saved i like the movement right <laughs> and so uh there was a uh, tommy walker he was leading us in worship man it was so awesome at one of the vineyard churches here in town and um his daughter his daughter has an incredible voice eileen walker but they were singing, I have decided to follow Jesus. Man, that that broke something in me last night. I've been worrying a little bit lately, worrying about some stuff. You know what? And God said, he, he, through this song, he said, don't worry, man. You're following me. Everything's going to be all right. You decide to follow Jesus. He's going to take care of every one of your problems. Every one of And then you'll have more problems and you'll fix those. <laughs> life is not about having a problem a trouble free life it's about god taking care of every single one of your problems so let's jump into this isaiah 13 through 21 in 20 minutes that's what i should have called this sermon 13 better results that you can start experiencing today isaiah 13 verse 11 here's number one el numero uno i will punish the world for its evil the wicked for their sins what did I get from that? What kind of fruit did I get from that? Let me tell you what. God wants you to outgrow your sin. He wants you to outgrow your sin. You and me, we want to be free today. But you know what? how God operates? He says, just know me more and more, and you're going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And one of these days, you're going to yank that little tent post that's been tying you down to the ground you're going to with one head nod you're going to yank that stake out and you are going to be free you need to outgrow your sin outgrow your pornography outgrow your lust outgrow your foul mouth outgrow it how do you outgrow it know god more and more and more outgrow your bad habits outgrow your gossip whatever it is outgrow your fornication your adultery outgrow it get to know god more and more and you'll get free from your sin isn't that cool that's how god operates now don't worry you're like oh you just mentioned one for me or oh that one hurt you know what we all struggle with sin every single one of us does and i've found in my life this principle oh it's working over and over i just outgrow stuff and i quit wanting it after a while god he says i'll give you a new heart which he's saying i'm going to give you new desires and the old stuff you don't even want anymore you know materialism wanting to to i used to always want to you know i'd have a couple of friends of mine that graduated from the college and by 40 they're CEOs of these massive companies. I'm like, how did they do that? 
And so I got a little jealous and I was like, man, I, you know, what is wrong with me? Why didn't I get there? You know what? That whole ambition, that desire to be someone or to have more than someone else. Praise God. I've outgrown that junk. <laughs> you just outgrow it and it doesn't have the appeal that it used to. Amen. So outgrow your sin. Uh, in Isaiah 10, just to kind of support that thought there, Isaiah 10, 27, it says, In that day their burdens will be lifted off their shoulders. Their sin will be lifted off their shoulders. Their yoke from your neck, the yoke will be broken because you've grown so fat. Well, fat's kind of a bad word nowadays. So let's say you've grown so big and muscly. <laughs> you've grown so big that you've broken the yoke. It just, it just cracked off of you. And I'm sure if I were to ask all, many of you, you would say, I've experienced that once or twice. Maybe I've experienced that a lot of times. Get to know God. Instead of trying to fight the sin so much, get to know God more and more, and the burden will be broken. Number two, let's read this one, Isaiah 14. Boy, we jumped a whole chapter there. Isaiah 14, verse 2. They will make captives their captors and rule over their oppressors. Man, that's a good verse. I want to think on that one. They will make captives their captors. How many of you are ruled over something and you would love to begin to rule over it? Maybe an attitude, maybe a thought, maybe a situation, maybe a behavior. You someday are going to rule over your captors. Praise God. What, what do we see from this? Well, you need to win before you win. And I've been meditating on this one all week long. This has been blessing me. I need to win up here in my heart before I win to where it's so visible. I might be struggling with something, but I am more than a conqueror through Christ. Amen. He's the one that gives me strength in every battle. And let's set the Bible aside. Let's set the church aside. Let's set all of that aside. You know what? People out there, successful people out there have learned this lesson. They win in their mind before they win a game or win a business deal or win this or win that. They win up here. You know what? We as Christians should be adopting that same principle. Is That's what faith is. It's saying, Jesus, you've already opened the door for me. I can't see the door, but you've already opened it for me. Jesus, I might be sick laying in here in bed, but Lord, I've already won the battle through you. I'm, I receive my healing even before I have my healing. Amen. So whatever it is that you're looking for and asking for of God, win before you win. God, God has some things he wants to tell you. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a chosen people. You are God's special possession. So live in that instead of living outside of that where you're a loser and you have, you're hopeless and there's no, nothing's ever going to work out for you. Shut the negativity of the devil up and start listening to what God is telling you. Be the person who you want to be before you even it. <laughs> Does that make sense? Praise God. I tell you what, man, powerful stuff. Let's go on to number three. Isaiah 14, verses 26 and 27, it says, This is the plan determined for the whole world. This is the hand stretched out over the nations. For the Lord Almighty has purposed, and who can thwart him? What is thwart? In other words, stop him or, or turn him off, off course. Who can thwart the Lord? His hand is stretched out, and who can turn it back? What is this telling us? God has a plan. He has a plan for your life. 
So don't waste your time with your own plan. <laughs> don't waste your time with your own plan. Don't plan out your career. Don't plan out your life. Don't plan out your finances. Am I saying just to act like an idiot and go spend all your money? No, it's okay to, to have a plan, but be ready to adjust when God says, yep, you're kind of off course here. I'm going to pull you back onto my plan. In fact, if we would spend 99% of our time seeking God and saying, God, what's your plan? We would be on course almost all the time because, because we'd be following his plan. But instead, we, play, we spend, if, if anybody's planner here, you spend 99% of your time planning and 1% of you ask God, is this okay? <laughs> what a waste of time. Don't waste your time planning Spend your time trying to figure out what God's plan is. I'm of the persuasion that God has one person in store for every human being in marriage. God didn't say, hey, Adam, come on over here. I got 20 women for you. Take your pick. He didn't say, here, Eve, come here. It's, it's, it's you know, it's Bachelor or whatever, stupidity on TV. Here's 10 guys for you to pick. Is that how it worked? Oh, God had one person. That's the type of specific planning God has for us. So let's spend our time figuring out what he wants for us. Amen? All right, let's keep going here. Um, well, I didn't read Proverbs 69, but it says, their hearts, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. And God is far more interested in your day-to-day -day steps than what you have planned for 20 or 30 years from now. So focus on the here and now, and God's going to take care of your future. Isaiah 14, verse 32, The Lord has established Zion, and in her his afflicted people will find refuge. Find refuge. And this is, this is one that I'm living in, I'm practicing it, I'm falling out of it and getting back in it again. But dwell under God's presence. You might say, well, Steve, shouldn't you say dwell in God's presence? Yeah, you can say it either way. But it's very visually captivating to me to see God's presence as a canopy, a huge, massive umbrella, and I'm under his presence. I can get out if I want to, and I often do, going chasing my own thing and trying to do it my way, and then I hurt myself, and he says, come back over here again, and he brings me back under his presence. I need to stay under his presence. Stay under his presence. Dwell under his presence. The Bible says that God tells us, never will he leave you and never will he forsake you. So stick with him. Stay with him. All right. Here's Isaiah 15, verse, verse 4, for our fifth, uh, our fifth uh, result that we can, we can get to quickly, even today. Isaiah 15, 4, it says, Therefore, the armed men of Moab cry out, and their hearts are faint. Now, Moab, in many instances, was Israel's enemy. They were the enemies of Israel. And here we see the enemies of Israel with a faint heart. Wouldn't you love to know that your enemies are scared of you? Maybe you have a bully at school. I don't see too many high schoolers, junior hires here, but maybe you do. Maybe you have a bully at work. Maybe you have a bully family member that you wish would croak. <laughs> All right? They're, they're, giving you, they're busting your chops. They're giving you a hard time. Wouldn't you love to know that they were scared of you? Wouldn't that make you feel a little bit better and a little bit more confident? All right? Your faith 
frightens the devil. Your faith frightens the devil. And I got that. Uh, Reinhard Bonnke, a powerful missionary evangelist in Africa, German. He's the one that said this. And uh, I can't remember the whole story, but, man, he was praying against, I think, some storm that was about to rain him out. And he started walking towards that cloud, praying in faith. And the Lord showed him, you know what? Your faith frightens the enemy. Praise God. So stop being scared. Stop quaking in your boots and start believing God. The enemy is going to be scared of your faith so much so that, you know, the Bible says you pick up the shield of faith. It's going to extinguish every fiery dart of the enemy, every lie, every threat, every everything that's looking to, to destroy you. It says in 1 John 5, 4, it says for everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that's overcome the world, even your faith. Even your faith, man, practice your faith, exercise your faith. Jesus said, oh, you of little faith. And what he was saying is, oh, you of small or few instances of faith. I want God to say, oh, you, Steve, of many instances of faith. So throughout the day, I'm seeing every opportunity to exercise my faith. So at the end of the day, I can say, Jesus, if you were to say anything to me, you would say, oh, you of many instances of faith. (laughs) I want to have many, many instances of faith. Let's go on to number six, Isaiah 16, verses four, five. It says, a oppressor will come to an end. Isn't that wonderful? Destruction will cease. The aggressor will vanish from the land. In love, a throne will be established. In faithfulness, a man will sit on it. One from the house of David, speaking of Jesus. One who in judging um, seeks justice and speeds the cause of righteousness. And I want to tell you, Times change for the better. Times change for the better. I am sick and tired of hearing that this nation is going to go down the toilet. Not on my watch. Not if the Democrats are in rule or the Republicans. God's in control. God's in control. This nation can and will see many more good days. If we pray. (laughs) If we do our part. If we seek the Lord. God can turn this country around. It can prosper economically. It can prosper morally. It can prosper spiritually. We can see abortion obliterated in this country. We can see all of those things. Praise God. Time is going to bring better times, not worse times. Are we going to have the Antichrist someday? Yes. Are we going to have the end times? Yes. But beyond that, there's a perpetual time of glory, of goodness, of heaven, of Man, so let's stop thinking that tomorrow is a disaster waiting to run us over. That's not, the, that's not what the Bible's telling us. That's not, that's not what Jesus is telling us. Are there going to be bad times? But the Bible says, listen to this, in darkness his light, shines, his light shines the brightest. In famine, even in famine, you will be provided for. And we can't lose as Christians. So stop having such a negative outlook on what's going to happen times will change for the better let me tell you what your tomorrow is going to be better than your today so stop thinking anything different than that isaiah 16 verses verse 6 it says um, we have heard of moab's pride how great her arrogance of her conceit her pride her insolence but her boasts are empty wow i didn't turn my phone off my brother-in-law 
All right. Um, <laughs> how embarrassing. Um, her boasts are empty. This is, this is speaking of a prideful person being humbled. And I want to share with you a lesson I'm learning over and over again. It's a rich lesson. It's a lesson that most anybody in this world overlooks. But take advantage of the times when you're humbled. Take adv- Don't reject them. Don't push them off. Don't defend yourself. Say, oh, this is great. I'm being humbled. This is good for me. It's pushing me back down, getting my feet back on the ground again. It's making my head not burst with pride anymore. Pride keeps God from God's grace from your life. You don't want any pride. So take advantage. Think right now of the terrible circumstance that you're in. I imagine every one of us has some bad circumstance that you're in. Take advantage of that circumstance to be humbled. And just say, you're right. <laughs> Whoever's saying they might be 50% right and 50% wrong, I'm going to go with a 50% right about what I've done wrong, how I messed up, how I stubbed my toe, I, how I hurt somebody's feelings, and say, you're right, I'm going to take advantage of being humbled. I use this over and over again, and it, you know what? It's, it's what the Bible says. He makes all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Take the bad and take advantage of being humbled in your circumstance. It won't do anything but good for you. Isaiah 17, verses 7 through 8, it says, In that day people will look to their Maker and turn their eyes to the Holy One of Israel. They will not look to the altars and the works of their hands. They will have no regard for the Asherah poles. That's a kind of the, the idols and the demonic things that they did back then. And the incense altars of the fingers, uh, 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 excuse me, the incense altars their fingers have made. This says to look to their look to their makers. A, a result you can start getting today is to start looking at Jesus, looking at Jesus, looking to Jesus. Stop looking at yourself and how smart you are and how good you are and all these degrees and pedigrees and accomplish. Stop looking there and start looking to Jesus. I'll never forget. I was thinking about it this morning. It was brought to to my mind as I was praying um, when I first started in, in business. I had two men who were, and it's not that they were men, it was, they were people, <laughs> but they were my mentors, and they taught me so much. To this day, I am who I am in some regards because of those two guys. They were just, they poured into me, they beat me up when I needed to beat up, they encouraged me when I needed to be encouraged, but then after that, I quit having mentors. I got into my 30s, and I, you know, I, honestly, I had some bad bosses, <laughs> And I worked with some people that they weren't what I would have you know, wanted to work with. Let me tell you, by the way, you learn more from your anti-mentors than your mentors. You learn more from people who are total goons, all right, that don't know what they're doing because then you learn what not to do. But anyways, I remember I was 35, 38. I started praying. I said, God, give me another mentor. I need another mentor. And you know what the Lord told me? He says, can I be your mentor? Can I start listening to God? You know, he's given me so much practical advice, it's not even funny. So much. God is, God is yes, he's, he's you know, about the, the eternity, about your spirit, but he's also about your day-to-day. And he'll give you advice on all kinds of stuff. Just listen to the Holy Spirit. Talk to the Holy Spirit, and he'll give you. That's what wisdom is. 
Is God's voice telling you what to do and what not to do and seeing the value of what he's telling you? So uh, uh, where were we? Um, Always notice Jesus. Look to Jesus. Stop looking at yourself and look up at him. Pay attention to him. He's in, in Colossians uh, 3, 2, I think it says, set your thoughts on things above, not on earthly things. So the more time you spend thinking about Jesus, man, the more you're going to accomplish in your day-to-day. It's just, it's just a, a principle that works. Oh, I had the verse right here. All right, Isaiah 17 You have forgotten God, your Savior. You have not remembered the rock, your fortress. You have forgotten. And I would tell you this, remember to remember. Remind yourself to remember God. Because we as humans and Christians, and we forget about what God has done over and over. We forget about God. We forget about what he's done. We forget about his presence. We forget about his word. We get so busy. We need to remember to remember. Remind ourselves to remember all the good things God has done, all the miracles, all the breaks he's given us in life, all the times he brought us through the fire, through the water, through difficulties, through trouble. He's going to do it again. If he did it one time, he'll do it a second time. If he did it twice, now you've got a trend. He'll do it a third time, a fourth time. He's just going to keep on doing it for you. He's there for you. Can you be humble enough to accept that, though? I remember, remember the Lord telling me, you know what? I'll make you successful if you won't take credit for it. And I remember struggling with that. <laughs> Say, but God, I want to take credit for it. <laughs> it feels good to say, I did that. But which do you want? Do you want to do it or do you want God to take you to levels and places you've never been before? But the, 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 uh, the bargaining chip there is you're not going to take credit for it. You'll always have to say, Jesus did it. Jesus helped me. Jesus pulled me through. Jesus gave me success. Isaiah 18, verses 2 uh, and 7. This, this one's really interesting. I don't ever remember reading this. As I read it this week, I was like, wow, this is pretty neat. Go. And he's speaking of the land of Cush. Let me just mention this really quick. He's speaking of the land of Cush, which back then more or less was where Ethiopia is. So he's saying, go to to Cush. He says, there there's swift messengers to a people tall and smooth skinned, to a people feared far and wide, an aggressive nation of strange speech, whose nation is divided by rivers. Now, part of this also kind of came into where Egypt is. So it, it very possibly could have been those rivers referenced there. Um, at that time, now look, we skip several verses, come down to verse 7. It says, at that time, gifts will be brought to the Lord Almighty from a people tall and smooth skinned, from a people fear, feared far and wide, an aggressive nation of strange pe- speech whose land is divided by rivers. The gifts will be brought to Mount Zion to the place of the name of the Lord Almighty. This is so powerful. This is talking about a missionary going to a country of a strong, strange speech, a dangerous place, and seeing this whole country turn around. This whole country turn around and saying, I'm going to bring gifts to God. I'm going to love God. My life is going to change. And I want to, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. Be a missionary this week. We're looking for different results. Stop thinking about yourself and your insecurities and what do they think about me? What if they don't? What if they tell me no? What if they laugh at me? Stop the stupidity. 
Stop the self-centeredness. Stop the insecurity. Stop the pride and go tell somebody about Jesus today. Go share the gospel. They need to hear it. Be a missionary. Be evangelistic. I'll tell you what, one of the most exciting things we're doing right now, we're in, in Irvin, Irvin High School, going there Tuesdays uh, at lunchtime and seeing what happens. <laughs> we're a part of a Bible club there. Uh, I don't know if it's Reach for Christ, Youth for Christ. I don't, I, don't even, I don't even know what it is. But we're the church sponsor. We get to tell the students about Jesus right there on campus. No restrictions. We can pray for people. We can give Bibles out. I mean, several years ago, this was not even remotely a possibility in a public high school. But we get to do it. Do you think I know what I'm doing? I have no idea. I'm like 40 years older than these kids. They probably look at me like I'm some kind of weirdo. But you know what? I'm a missionary. Go to someone and tell them about Jesus and stop being so shy. The, the, the Bible says he's not given you a spirit of timidity. He's given you a spirit of power, of love, and of self-control or sound mind. Go do something for the Lord. I do it at work, man. I send out emails sometimes talking about Jesus. I'm going to get my head chopped off by HR one of these days, man. Tell people about Jesus. Don't worry about the consequences. Pray for somebody. Man, I had this, this lady, I don't think she, uh, she's not at work anymore. She had a degenerative um, eye problem. And, uh, man, she was standing right there. And I said, hey, I won't mention her name. I said, hey, can I pray for you right now? She looked at me, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Got up right there in my office, put my, I was, I don't put my hand on people. I just put my fist on her shoulder and prayed for right there take advantage of the opportunities you have to tell people about jesus you can stop people on the street (laughs) just go man be a missionary we could talk about that a long time uh isaiah 19 verse 21 so the lord will make himself known to the egyptians and in that day they will acknowledge the Lord. They will worship with sacrifices and grain offerings, and they will make vows to the Lord and keep and keep those vows. Same kind of thought here, but here's a result we need to have in our, our minds is there's no one beyond God's reach. God can reach anybody. And back then the Egyptians, they were the people who had been, you know, they'd held the Israelites for four hundred and thirty some odd years. They, the Egyptians were no friend to the Jew at all. And here it's saying, you know what? Even the Egyptians are reachable by God. Even the Egyptians. You think of the hardest person in your family, a friend, a neighbor, a, a co-worker. You said there's no way that person would ever give their heart to the Lord. God can reach them. God can reach them. Isaiah 20, verse 2, in that time, the Lord spoke through Isaiah, son of Amoz, and he said to him, Take off the sackcloth from your body and the sandals from your feet. And he did so, going around stripped and barefoot. Now, I think he had probably some kind of robe or something. All right. But God told him to do something kind of weird. And he looked weird. And he was a little odd. And I'm sure people wondered, what on earth is this crazy prophet prophet doing? But you know what I'm finding more and more? If God tells you to do something, go do it. Just do it. You know, make sure it's God. Pray about it. Don't just be super impulsive because sometimes we think it's God and it's not God at all but I tell you what if the voice of God brings you peace it brings you confidence 
and it lines up with things that you're reading in the Word, things you're hearing at church, go do what God tells you to do. And I would tell you, tell you this, love to obey God. Love to obey God. In fact, that's the basis. There's a preacher that says this, but obedience isn't the root. Obedience is the fruit. <laughs> you know, a church that's every Sunday, you better obey God. You better do this. You better not do that. They got it all wrong. It starts with love. And then you want to obey God because you love God and he loves you and you have a relationship. And it's not about earning anything from God. It's just, this is how I show God love is I just obey. And I found this with God. Anything he ever tells you to do is incredibly simple. Never complex. Now, it may not be easy, but it is simple. All right? If he tells you to fast for a couple of days, fast for a couple of days. Holy Spirit's dealing with you about that. If he's telling you to pick up the phone and reconcile yourself to some family member you've been at odds with, pick up the phone and do it. All right? If he's telling you to shut your mouth and not be nagging your spouse so much, shut your mouth and stop nagging your spouse so much. It's simple. <laughs> may not be easy, but it's simple. All right, so love to obey God. In fact, I love this one. Isaiah, excuse me, Psalms 119.67. It's the amplified version, so it's expanded, but it says, Before I was afflicted, <laughs> afflicted, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep and honor your word with loving obedience. Mm. Relationship with Jesus, the best thing in the world. Best thing in the world. John 14, 23, Jesus says, Anyone who loves me will obey my teachings. See, it's the basis of love. And the first step is not for you to love God. The first step is for you to be loved by God. That's the first step. Say, God, I'm going to allow you to love me, even though I'm a mess up, I goofed, I messed up big time. Let yourself be loved by God. You can't love God back until you receive his love for you first. And then third, then you start obeying God. But oftentimes the church is obey, 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 obey. And we do need to obey. But first, we need to receive the love of God in our lives. And then we love God. And then we start naturally obeying him. Isaiah 21. Hey, if we're on 12, that means there's only one left, right? <laughs> All right, Isaiah 21.10, it says, I tell you, what I have heard from the Almighty, uh, from the God of Israel, I tell you what I've heard. And I'll, I'll leave this one with you. It pays to hear from God. It really, really pays to hear from God. The Bible speaks throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament of people who are blind, who are deaf. And they're talking about, the Bible's talking from a spiritual perspective. You and me, we've got to hear from God. It's important to hear from God. And if you're spending three to five measly minutes a day with God, you're not going to hear much. <laughs> you got to spend some time. You know, if I walk in the kitchen and say, hi, Tina, bye, Tina, and then I don't talk to her the rest of the day, what's our relationships going to be like? It's, it's going to be, it's not, it's going to be non-existent. I need to spend time with her and I need her to spend time with me. We went on a date on Friday. We got to talk to each other and listen to each other and look into each other's eyes and drive around and go get some dessert. It was the funnest thing in the world. You can do that with God. Spend some time with God. It pays 